I'd like to begin with a quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, Forgiveness needs to be accepted as well as offered if it is to be complete. Forgiveness needs to be accepted as well as offered if it, need, if it is to be complete. The theme of this sermon is forgiveness. Who is affected by it? What does it mean? And when and how often should it be offered? The passage from Matthew's Gospel that we heard earlier is readily understood. The language that's used isn't difficult. It's very straightforward. And yet, the passage is challenging. It's challenging because Jesus does what he always does. He turns conventional wisdom and thinking on its head. It's challenging because we're asked to forgive a limitless number of times. It's challenging because it draws our attention to the high demands that are made on us as Christians. It's challenging because it triggers an emotional response in us. And we find ourselves involuntarily reflecting on past occasions when we've been reluctant to forgive. It's challenging because it gives rise to uncomfortable thoughts. Thoughts about those who are still waiting for our forgiveness. Thoughts about those whom we feel we cannot forgive. Thoughts about our own need for forgiveness. Today we find Peter once again cast in the role of an interlocutor. So he not only asks a question, but also hesitantly supplies a tentative answer himself. And he does this so that he can tease out an expansive and detailed response from Jesus. A response that will, from this point onward, serve as a guideline, if not as a standard of behaviour for all Christians. And the response that Jesus gives is perhaps the most frequently quoted verse from our Gospel reading. Jesus issued an instruction. He issued a command to forgive not seven times, but 77 times. And here, with one decisive stroke, he dramatically reversed and thereby overturned the ruling in Genesis in which 77 refers to the number of times a person may seek revenge as opposed to offering forgiveness. But even when this radical command is understood and accepted, it's not always applied as it should be. Unfortunately, many people regard the instruction to forgive 77 times as something that applies only to individuals, something that should only be considered on a personal level. But this would mean that forgiveness and all that the act of forgiveness entails is viewed from a very narrow perspective. This would mean that forgiveness 
has only to do with you and me. This would mean that forgiveness is a one-to-one affair and isn't intended for groups of people. This would mean that forgiveness can't apply to communities or nations. And that would be a very restricted understanding of what forgiveness is about and not what Jesus meant when he spoke to Peter. Thanks to a daily diet of news programs, we can't help but be aware of the cycle of violence and revenge that's repeated over and over again, both in our own country and elsewhere in the world. We can clearly see an escalation of aggression and retaliation across the globe. And sadly, there are examples to be found where even the language of justice has been corrupted and is used as a smokescreen, where it's used as a verbal cover-up for revenge. So at this juncture, it's worthwhile taking a moment to consider the implications of what Jesus said. It's worthwhile looking at his words in more detail as we try to better understand his message. In Matthew's Gospel, we find that Jesus intentionally abolishes the cycle of retaliation and replaces it with forgiveness. He calls a halt to the successive rounds of revenge and violence between individuals, between families, between clans, and between nations. Jesus speaks clearly and unequivocally to the whole world and issues guidance on how we are to manage human relationships at every level. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther Luther King, the famous American civil rights activist, highlighted the importance of putting Jesus' words into action in a speech he once gave. Dr. King said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. And Dr. King went on to say, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Isn't it true that we often hide our past, even from ourselves, because it can be too painful to dredge up the memory of a broken relationship or to relive a hurtful moment or to face feelings of guilt and remorse. And what's perhaps worse still is that these things, the broken relationships, the hurt and the guilt in our past can continue to dominate our present especially when we try to conceal our shortcomings or shame from others or from ourselves. 
It's only by accepting that the mistakes we made in the past are a meaningful constituent of the present that we allow that special wave of light to break into our lives. That special light which cannot be extinguished. That special light which drives out the darkness and dissolves the shadows into nothingness. It must be said that for most of us, forgiveness isn't something that we generally give a lot of thought to. It's not at the forefront of our minds, and yet we all make mistakes, and we all need to be forgiven. We all need to seek and accept forgiveness. We all need to be able to say three difficult words. I am sorry. And we need to honestly mean what we say. And what's equally hard is that we all need to be willing to accept forgiveness when it's offered to us. And we must also be willing to forgive. And again, we need to be able to say three difficult words, I forgive you, and honestly mean what we say. Human nature is such that we often respond to emotional pain with anger. We often respond with antagonism and resentment. And these negative feelings can lead to a nasty and malignant bitterness. A bitterness that has to be dissolved to prevent it from ruining our lives. Jesus has a great deal to say about forgiveness because not to forgive is detrimental to our health. Not to forgive creates a barrier between God and us. Forgiveness is therefore a conduit and a gateway to a right relationship with God. And with that in mind, let's ask the question, how would we cope if God were to demand that we earn his forgiveness? Wouldn't we find ourselves in an impossible situation having to justify our worthiness? The truth is, that it's only because of God's love for us and his grace that we can have a relationship with him. I started with a quotation from C.S. Lewis and I'd like to finish with an anecdote about him. During a conference on comparative religion, experts from around the world discussed what, if any belief, was unique to the Christian faith. They began by examining and then eliminating possibilities. Incarnation was top of the list, but it was quickly pointed out that other religions also laid claim to other gods appearing in human form. The next possibility was resurrection from death, but again other religions had their own accounts of such a miracle. The debate went on for some time until C.S. Lewis, arriving late, entered the room 
and inquired what all the commotion was about. On having been told that his colleagues were discussing Christianity's unique contribution among world religions, Lewis responded, that's easy, it's grace. <laughs>